Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Chapter 3. Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, we do not have Kids Cove for elementary age on the fifth Sundays of uh, the, the calendar year, so that means uh, it might get a little louder here today, and that's okay. Because it wasn't that long ago in my mind that I was here during COVID preaching to an empty room. So uh, we welcome the noise. It's great to see everybody's smiling faces. Um, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, but before I read the passage, I want to ask you a couple questions. You can just shout this out. Does anyone know what was the very first public thing Jesus did to announce his ministry? He was baptized. He was baptized. So I want you to think about this. All, out of all the things that Jesus could have done, he chose to be water baptized. So think for a moment, what are some of the things he could have done? So... He could have called for all the sick people in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas to just line up in a large crowd and heal them instantly. He could have done that because we know later on in the Bible he does those kind of things. He could have waited for the worst storm in the history of Israel. And at its peak, when the winds and the, the sky was just lit up with lightning, he could have just walked out and just told the the storm to stop. He could have went to uh, a colony of lepers who, who had leprosy and were, um, had to be away from their family and friends. He could have walked in and healed every single one of them. He could have found every blind person and instantly healed them. So this morning we're going we're gonna to ask the question, why, why would he start with water baptism? And the title of the message is The Astonishing Baptism of Jesus. Out of all the things he could have done to begin his public ministry, why this one? Look at Matthew chapter 3. We're just going to look at a few verses, verses 13 through 17. And I think you're going to see that this baptism is actually much more astonishing than you might first think. It actually teaches us a lot about Jesus teaches us a lot about how Jesus, what he thinks of us. It, it teaches a, a lot about why he came to earth. So let's look at verse 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. That's John the Baptist. And John had prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. 
So we're going to consider this astonishing event this morning. And we're going to consider why, why would Jesus choose this event to, to inaugurate his public ministry. Most likely Jesus was in his late 20s or right around 30 years old when this event happened. So let's look at the first point, the astonishing reality of Jesus' baptism. I want you to remember what we know already. So if you've been tracking with us, we've been going through the book of Matthew. And in Matthew chapters 1 and 2, we learn that Jesus is God with us, this promised king that we celebrate in Christmas is in fact God with us. We know from Matthew chapter 1 that this, this Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. We know that he was conceived miraculously. Uh, and we know he's the promised king from the Old Testament. So this promised king, this one who is both God and man, shows up at John's Baptism. And remember last week, John the Baptist is kind of an eccentric fellow. He eats locusts for lunch. He, he eats honey and locusts. He, his clothing is made of camel skins or camel fur. Um, most likely he lived out in the wilderness for many, many years. So he's an interesting fellow. And he has been doing this ministry and people are flocking to him to turn from their sins. And... It's right in the middle, probably the peak of John baptizing people, that verse 13 and 14 happened. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And why do you come to me? So they have this funny interaction. And if you're familiar with the Bible at all, um, this is the second time that Jesus and John would have met in their life. And the first time, they were both in their mother's womb. So that they have not, from what we know from the Bible, have not met for 20-some years. And they're re-meeting. And it's interesting that John the Baptist, he's called to do this baptism, calling people to turn from their sins, prepare for the king to come. And he would have baptized all sorts of people by this point, all walks of life. People that have done really bad things would have come, entered the water because they wanted to own their wrongs, own their sin before a holy God and get right with God. And, and John was baptizing person after person after person after person. He has probably seen it all by this point. And all were welcome to participate if they would really turn from their sins. So it's interesting that he is, he is actually surprised by this one who came, Jesus himself. And the question is, why, why would he be so surprised that Jesus is there at his baptism? See, we know from the Bible that from Matthew and, and Luke and Mark and John that 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 even John's um, conception and John coming into this world was also marked by an angel's appearance and was also marked by a calling on his life before he was even born. So he would have heard things about Jesus from his mom and dad. He would have learned things about the promised Messiah. And so he knew that Jesus was God. He knew that he was the king. He knew that he was most likely sinless in every way. But remember, 
What's John doing at this baptism? He's calling people to repent. Remember this from last week, Matthew 3, 2. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn from your sins. Get right with God. The king is coming. So it's astonishing that the king himself is there. Because this king is perfect. He had no sin in thought, in word, in deed. And so John would have been surprised. Jesus was probably the only one that could have surprised John at this baptism. Remember verses 5 and 6. It says, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Hundreds, if not thousands of people lining up to confess their sins and get ready for the Messiah. Then Jesus shows up. He has no sins to confess. He has no sins to own. Why is he there? What is he doing there? And see, John would have known this. And, and then John says something that is an honest thing to say. Look at um, verse 14. I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? So John was a, a righteous man. He was a follower of God. But he knew he was not a perfect man. Jesus, this is all, all backwards. Let me give you some examples or illustrations of how backward this might be. So if you have a son or daughter who's playing elementary basketball, and they're at the phase where they're just trying to dribble the ball, shoot the ball the whole way up to the 10-foot rim, imagine them, if they're five or six years old, teaching Steph Curry how to shoot a three-pointer. Now, Steph, Mr. Curry, you do this, tuck your elbow in, and this is how you shoot the ball. Well, it would be backwards. He should be teaching them, not them teaching him. Or think about this. Imagine if you were a first-year clarinet player and you're teaching a music professor at IUP how to play the opening riff of Rhapsody in Blue. Now, if you know me, you know I didn't come up with that. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Um, I actually never heard of it until he put that in my notes when he was looking at it. But you get the point. Apparently, that's a really hard piece of music, and a first-year clarinet player is not playing it. Or imagine if you have a three-year-old uh, little brother. If your parents dropped him off in New York City at the most exclusive five-star restaurant, and you say, we want him to go instruct the chef. Um, and, and here's his job. He, I, I looked this up. Um, it was in the top ten of most difficult meals to, to make. It's Beef Wellington was the first one I sort of recognized. So imagine your three-year-old toddlers into this five-star restaurant. Chef, have a seat. I'm here to teach you. It would be backwards. See, that's what's happening in John the Baptist's mind. This is, thank you. This is all upside down. And... And he would have recognized that rightly. I mean, he said this in verse 11, before Jesus showed up. He said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I can't even touch his dirty shoes and take them off of his feet. The, the gap between John 
and Jesus or Jesus and everyone is massive. So it's astonishing that Jesus would be baptized. So the question is, was Jesus confused? Did he show up at the wrong church event? Oh, this isn't, this isn't for me. Or was, was there a reason he was there? Oh, there was a definite reason he was there, which brings us to the second point. The astonishing significance of Jesus' baptism. Hopefully my voice will hold. We'll, we'll see. Verse 15. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. John wisely consented. It was part of Jesus' calling. It was important for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness. There was a number of things going on with the, the reality of Jesus wanting to be baptized. One, he is approving of John's ministry. Two, he is identifying that I am the king that you have all been preparing for. But there's even something I think more significant to why he is at this baptism for repentance. This, listen to this quote by a man named Garrett Dawson. Jesus' baptism represents his total identification with the people he came to save. Jesus' baptism represents his total identification with the people he came to save. Jesus knew exactly why he came to earth, and he knew exactly why he was being baptized. He came to fully identify with those he came to save. And he knew later on he was going to experience a baptism that was not going to be water, but was going to be the wrath of God that he was going to take upon himself for the sins of the world. So the fact that Jesus is at this baptism should encourage you about his love, his care, his motivation to come to this world to save people like you and I. Let me give you a couple examples. Please do not think of names, say names when I give you these examples, okay? You agree? Okay. So there are two kinds of teachers in the world. There are teachers that really love kids. And there are teachers that just don't like kids at all. And, and so if you're a kid or you're a parent or you're a college student, you have a professor, you really want one that doesn't just know the information but actually enjoys the people that they're, they're teaching. At least I would want that. And your favorite teachers are usually those that are good at teaching the material and actually like you. Sounds funny, but, but it's true. See, with Jesus, he's there because he loves the people he came to earth to save. There are at least two kinds of doctors in the world. There are those that are really smart and know their stuff, but they don't really like patients. They don't like the people they're caring for. So they, they're in some ways good at it, but they don't actually like the people they're helping. So as a patient, I, I'm looking for a doctor who is really smart and actually likes people. It's a, not a real high bar, but, but the, the combo is, is good. Not just picking on teachers and doctors. There are pastors that don't like people very much. They like books. They like ideas. 
We want and we have pastors that like books and people very much. See, it's not enough to just, you know, Jesus could have like, okay, God the Father sent me here. I got to get wet now. I don't really want to get wet. I don't really want to be here. But I'll, I'll get dunked. And then I, all these messy people, and they're swearing, and they're gross. They've got all kinds of things going on in their lives. I don't really have time for it. I can't wait to get back to heaven. I know I'm coming. That wasn't his heart at all. At all. He was filled with compassion and love for those he came to save. See, his baptism teaches us a ton about who Jesus is. And we know later on in the book of Matthew, we get a picture of this. Um, when Matthew writes this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Now listen to this. This is the same Jesus is about to be baptized. When he saw the crowds, he, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now I think for us to appreciate Bible times, it, like you gotta think there are no urgent care centers there are no health centers at the university. There are no hospitals like we know. So when there is a large crowd of very sick people, terminally ill people, desperate people, I don't think they're standing in a straight line just patiently waiting for Jesus to heal. It's a messy crowd. It's a loud crowd. Most likely it's a smelly crowd to some degree. And Jesus sees them and he's moved with compassion. See, Jesus debuts his ministry with a heart filled with love and compassion for those he came to save. See, fundamental at the very outset of when we learn about Jesus is the Christmas story. I know Christmas seems like a long time ago for, for us, but let's go back to a Christmas passage. Matthew 1. She will bear a son. You shall call him his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the king that is going to be baptized. This is the king that they've been waiting for, the Savior of the world. I want you to think about this. Either think of it through the lens of history or present-day politics, okay? So we'll, we'll make everybody uncomfortable a little bit. Um, so think of the last person you voted for in a local election or a national election. I want you to think of that person. You don't have to say it, just get that person in mind. Or think about your favorite um, politicians or kings or rulers or those in authority throughout history, okay? Got those in your mind? No matter who that was, no matter who you've ever voted for, when you were voting, here's what you weren't thinking, I'm sure. If this person gets into office, they will remove all the guilt and shame I have ever carried in my life. They will actually restore me and renew me from the inside out. And if they get elected, I will live forever with God in heaven. 
that's not what you're thinking, right, when you go to, to vote for someone. Now that may, a little side application, maybe we shouldn't get so worked up when the person you vote for doesn't get elected. Um, but here's the thing. This is the king of kings was promised, and now he is here, and he is so identifying with those he came to save. Jesus, as a Jew, um, would have been raised with the Old Testament scriptures. Now he's God, so he's unfair advantage, but even just humanly speaking, he would have been very familiar with passages like this from Isaiah 53, and he knew they were talking about himself. I don't think it's a stretch to think when he showed up in the wilderness with John the Baptist baptizing people that he had this clearly in his mind. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As Jesus was debuting his public ministry, he knew exactly what he was stepping into. He knew exactly why he was there. He said this about himself, Luke tells us, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And he said that in context of bringing salvation to Zacchaeus, who was a thief and a despised tax collector. He was very clear on why he came. And we get from the Apostle Paul, we get more detail of why Jesus came to earth. I'm just going to share Romans 5 for a projection, not, not the other two passages that are there. For while we were weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one dare even die. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ, the promised Messiah, the King of kings, died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The Apostle Paul gives us detail of the substitutionary death that Jesus would die for our sins. And what that means for us, if you turn from your sins and you trust in Jesus, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you have done that thing, whatever that worst thing is in your mind, Jesus' blood shed can wash that away, cleanse you. And God the Father declares you righteous. He accepts you because of what his Son has done in your place. That's the good news. So there's great significance to Jesus' baptism. But there's one other thing that a big surprise that actually happened at Jesus' baptism. This is like the reveal of reveals. Um, when, when my kids were young and we were having children, we have three children, but they're older now. 
when they were young, gender reveal parties were not a thing. I don't, I don't know why, I don't know when it happened, but it happened. So I was thinking today, I've never been to a gender reveal party, I don't think, where you shoot something in the air, pink or blue, and everybody celebrates. But, but the purpose of a gender reveal party is to reveal it's a boy, it's a girl, and to celebrate. Well, there was a surprise of surprises that even John the Baptist would not have been prepared for at Jesus' baptism. There was, a, this is the third point, an astonishing reveal at Jesus' baptism. Look at verses 16 and 17. Bless you. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The astonishing reveal, we might call it the Trinitarian surprise. The Trinity shows up. God the Father, God the Son is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity is a, a teaching of the Bible, a teaching of Christianity that, that can kind of spin our mind around, but it, it teaches that there's one God, and he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And here at the baptism, all three are together. Which is why most of our analogies break down. Because they all have to be together at the same time. God the Father is on display. And behold, a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. He gives the stamp of approval as Jesus is baptized. He sent him. He devised the plan to save sinners through giving up his son, Jesus. God the Son, Jesus, is there willingly going with the plan. He came to earth. He resisted sin and temptation at every moment and every turn of his life so he could rescue and die for sinners. And God the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus as he comes out of the, the waters of baptism. And he's empowering the human Jesus for what is ahead. The ministry that God has prepared for. God the Father has prepared for God the Son. God the Holy Spirit is going to empower. God the Father devised the plan. God the Son executes the plan. God the Holy Spirit empowers the plan. And God the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us spiritual life, makes us spiritually alive. He, God the Holy Spirit is the one who dwells in us when we become Christians. He's our comforter, our counselor. He's with us. So this, this event that might seem mundane when we're just reading our Bible devotions is, is amazing and astonishing. And there they all are as Jesus is baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up out of the water. Behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I want to read another quote just in closing. 
from this same man, Garrett Dawson. He writes, The fourth gospel records John the Baptist making a declaration that we might think fits more naturally at the crucifixion. But it was at the baptism that John shouted, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Though he had no sin, Jesus identified with sinners. He said, in effect, listen to this. I will live where they live. I will go through what they go through. I will not be above them. I will be with them. I will take the cleansing water as one of them. I am on the side of sinners. That is your Savior if you have trusted in Jesus. And if you have not, he's the one who came to set you free, to forgive you, to restore you, to cleanse you from the inside out. And if you have trusted in him, the right response is to go and tell others. To tell others about this Jesus who so identifies with us out of love and mercy and compassion. I'm going to pray in a moment, but at this time, if the band could come up, if those going on the Dominican trip could come up, and if Christian could come back up as well. I think I got everybody. Let me pray. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to save us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, as we end this morning, may you, you fill us with affection for you. And may we encounter you as we, we sing this final song. We ask this in your name. Amen. So I think everybody's coming up. Green mic. There's Christian. Uh, the people behind me are all going to the Dominican on a mission trip. So why don't we just do a mic down to say who you are and then pass it down. And then Christian's going to pray for all of you. I'm Bailey Schoenfeld. Jen Schoenfeld. Stella Rummel. Andrew Rummel. Tim McKelvey. Donna McKelvey. Danny Mensur's going with us. And yes. So yep. And Evan is going, Schoenfeld's going with us too. Why don't you pray for everyone, Christian? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we are so thankful as your children to be um, just given the privilege of working with you, becoming coworkers 